Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Is it good or is it wise for a human being to attempt or to orient their life around making as much money or accumulating as much wealth as possible. This was a live issue back in Aristotle's time, and we see him addressing this in Politics Book One, in his discussion of the relationship between the art of household management, oikonomike, and the art of acquisition of wealth, chremastike. And Aristotle thinks that many people in his own time are mistaken about this. They have this notion that unlimited accumulation of wealth, or at least getting as close to that as possible, would be a good thing. That that is what they ought to center and focus their life around and prioritize their decision-making around. Why is that a problem? Why can't we just have unlimited acquisition or accumulation of wealth? Wouldn't that provide us with a perfect society in some ways if we got past the fact that taking wealth for me sometimes takes it away from someone else? Aristotle thinks that there's something about human nature itself that militates against this. So let's look at what he says. One of the key points that he makes is that if we have a proper understanding of what wealth or property really is and what its function is to be, then we're not going to aim at unlimited wealth. He says that wealth in the truest sense, and he uses that word truest there, alethe, is goods, good things that we need or that are useful, that are helpful for our lives and for participating in the life of a community, the exchanges between people, the, the connections, the sharing. And he says that there are limits on these. You don't need to have a million dollars in the bank in order to have a good household. As a matter of fact, there's plenty of households where right now they're in debt and maybe just a few paychecks away from insolvency. And yet, when we look at the human beings within the household and their relations to each other, they're way happier than many people who have tons of money in the bank and all sorts of prospects for earning more and more and more. So... The goods that we need to measure life and community by, the needs of those, the usefulness of those, are somewhat limited. And anybody who comes to us and says, well, we can always make more and more and more and more, may be leading us astray, according to Aristotle. Another thing that he brings up is exchange. And here he talks about something that, you know, we're all familiar with, money, but he talks about the origin and the purpose of money. He says that in the beginning, we don't actually have money. We have just exchange or barter and people are exchanging things back and forth. Households, for example, exchanging, you know, one agricultural product for another manufactured product so that they can both live well and get by. And he talks about the 
distinction between proper and other uses of things. So he likes the example of shoes. This is a very common example in ancient times. I can use a shoe by actually putting the shoe on, wearing it, walking around with it, protecting my feet. I can also, as a householder, use the shoe by putting it on my child's foot and saying, hey, Try out your shoes, walk around. Now you're not going to stub your toes. Now your feet aren't going to be cracked. Now when you walk on the hot gravel, it's not going to be so bad, right? And then there's all sorts of other uses. And when we use the word proper here, idion is the Greek for that. The specific use, the specific use of shoes is to go on our feet. It's not to signal wealth. It's not to look fashionable. It's not to take the shoe and use it as a hammer to drive in nails. And it's not to exchange with other people for goods and services. That is indeed a use you can make of it, but that's not its proper use. And as we move further and further away from the proper use, we move further and further away from a sense of limits. How is that the case? Well, I can only wear one pair of shoes at the same time. I mean, I, I technically I could get bigger shoes and put shoes inside shoes or something like that. And somebody might object, well, what about rain boots or galoshes? Yes, those are shoes that are designed to go around other shoes, granted. But in general, you only wear one pair of shoes at a time. You wear them for the purpose that you've got them for. You know, for example, if you're wearing soccer cleats everywhere, that's probably not a good use of your soccer cleats because they're not gonna stick well to, to everything. Or golf shoes with those little pokey pins and, and things that they had for gripping the ground. Golf shoes, by the way, were very good at one other thing, which is not a proper use, getting yourself hit by lightning <laughs> for a long time, right? So the, the proper and other uses is something that's important to keep in mind. We can ask this about anything within the household. And think about the people who orient their life around swapping things, buying things so that they can sell them. That is a way of making money. But Aristotle says you're, you're starting to go down a dangerous path with that. Here he also talks about the function of money. And he says the real purpose of money to begin with is to facilitate trading because it wasn't always the case that you could actually store up the things that you are going to trade with somebody else. So he says they arrived at convenient ways of, of exchanging things that wouldn't lose their value like iron or silver and they'd give you a certain amount of it. And then they started using coins and the coin would like stamp a certain quantity on it and you could exchange that back and forth. Over time, people started thinking about money as a primary good because you can buy other things with it. And then wealth acquisition becomes measured by money and then it starts to become unlimited. Because if you can have a certain amount of money for life, for the purposes of life, why not more? It's not like it's going to go bad. It's not like it's going to rot or decompose in some way. He does bring up the, the fact that there can be failures of the financial system in a, a, an area and the money can lose its value, can become debased, right? But for the most part, people think of money as a, let's say, let's call it a solid investment. They'd rather have that than a whole bunch of coconuts or butter or wool or whatever it is that, that you're talking about. Those things could be measured by how much can I actually use? Think about groceries, for an example. You know, here in America, we have 
an incredible amount of food waste. And a lot of the food waste that we have is not just in restaurants where it's part of their margins. It's from consumers who buy more food than they can actually use and then end up throwing a good bit of it out. Why? Because you can only keep it for so long. And we have ways around that. You, you can it. You preserve it, right? You put it in the freezer. Of course, then you're paying the electric bill for the freezer and you dry some of it or whatever it is that you're going to do. But you probably have some food waste, even if you're a very efficient place. Does your money ever do that? So it seems like the money could actually be something that you could accumulate indefinitely without limits. Aristotle says that when the household becomes oriented around this, then you're going to have some real problem. The other thing that he has to say about unlimited acquisition of wealth that's particularly interesting is that it loses sight of the fact that we should be aiming not just at life, but the good life. We should be arranging our priorities to live the best life that we can. And many people think about this in terms of having a ton of money in the bank account or in income cash flow so that they can buy whatever happens to be their vision of the good life at that time. But Aristotle says, actually, that winds up merely aiming at life, not the good life, not living well. And here he says something really interesting, something well worth mulling over. He says that while the good life itself is limited, it has certain boundaries. Life itself is unlimited. So what is he talking about there? If you conceive of life in terms of the good life, you will set down certain limits. I don't actually need this in order to be happy. But if you haven't done that sort of thing, then unlimited acquisition could in fact seem like a quite reasonable thing to do. And he says their common ground is that the thing that each makes of is the same. They use the same property. People suppose it's a function of household management to increase property. And they're, they're continually under the idea it's their duty to be safeguarding their substance or increasing it. And he says the cause of this state is that their interests are set on life, but not the good life. As the desire for life is unlimited, they also desire without limit the means productive of life. And then he says, there's another way that people go wrong too. They might have a different conception of the good life. They think that the good life consists just in enjoyments and having as much pleasure as possible in indulging yourself as much as possible in buying toys, in having vacations to wherever you want to go. Notice there's really no limits on this. And as a matter of fact, once you start going down that path, particularly in our society where there's an entire industry designed to cater to and captivate those desires, you're really at the mercy of unlimited desire then that other people are stoking. If you say, well, I need to have a sports boat so I can drive around and because that's what I'm really into. Well, you're going to find more beautiful sports boats that you could buy if you just had a little bit more money or a lot more money. Or you might find bigger boats or you might find fancier ones. And then, of course, where do you dock it? Do you dock it at this marina where all the schlubs do it? You know, the ordinary people? Or are you going to go to the fancy pants place, right? And we could go on and on and on with examples like this. Anything you think of in terms of bodily indulgences and pleasures can be amped up in some way. 
in some unlimited way that probably doesn't provide genuine pleasure, but does cost a good bit more. You pay a premium for those sorts of things. And in Aristotle's own time, there was already a sort of primitive marketing and advertising industry working to sell you those things. Now it's much more sophisticated. So if we're thinking about wealth, so that we can have enjoyment, that too is unlimited, but that's also not going to make us genuinely happy, Aristotle thinks. So should we aim at unlimited acquisition of wealth? Aristotle says no. And it's not just because, as, as the medievals picked up on Aristotle, money begetting more money is unnatural or something like that. It also deforms and damages our own human nature and leads us away from the modes of thinking that we would have to have in terms of genuine goods that could lead us to the good life and to happiness. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>